Thanks for joining us for another episode of EdChoice Chats. Today our guest is Jennifer, a Georgia mother of two who's fighting for educational options for her four- and five-year-old sons, John and Joseph. Both boys have a rare genetic disorder that includes global developmental delays and compromised immunity. All right, so before we dive in, can you just give us some history? Tell us a little bit about your boys' condition and what it means for them and their education. Yeah, sure. Um, John is our five-year-old. Joseph is four. And um, when John was about six months old, we started noticing developmental delays. So we went through all the testing and therapy and early intervention stuff and then found out when he was about 18 months through genetic testing that he had MECP2 duplication syndrome, which um, is kind of a fancy name, um, which just basically is the scientific name. There's a lot, like Down syndrome has been named because somebody, you know, did a lot of research and made it famous. So it's just a rare genetic disorder that doesn't have a common name yet. Um, But so for, you know, the symptoms really manifest in global delays, cognitive, physical, um, and speech, language, all that stuff, fine motor. Um, so he, he gets all the therapies. And um, then right around the time that we noticed, this is before we found out that what John, what was going on with John, we found out that I was pregnant with Joseph. John was only eight months at the time. Um, so we hadn't even done the genetic testing or anything like that. So we found out um, when Joseph was a year old that he had the same genetic disorder and this been very similar um, delays, global delays, nothing medical um, other than some respiratory issues like ear infections. And it seemed like where if there was something, if there was a bug in the building, they were going to get it. It just kind of seemed that way. Um, okay. So they were on a lot of antibiotics. There's children and stuff like that. So we um, just, we kept them home. Um, as mom a stay-at-home mom. And so, uh, and I also have an older daughter and uh, we put her in, in school uh, we put her in a private Christian school um, when she was in kindergarten, and we just decided to keep the boys at home. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of our life. We do therapy all the time. We have therapists coming into our house, and we take them places. Unfortunately, um, you know, there's a spectrum like there is pretty much with any kind of disorder that you're looking at. But with them, they're on more of the mild end of the spectrum, and that it, it doesn't manifest in, you know, seizures and um, feeding tubes and things like that. They're healthy little boys that get around and walk and play and, and just really love life. So That's good. So then I know that you put them in a preschool this year, right? Was it a public preschool? Tell me a little bit about that. We did. That was a huge deal. Um, <laughs> I remember our occupational therapist told us when John was three, she was coming. We were in a program called Babies Can't Wait, which they age out of at the age of three because there's a uh, public preschool here that they, um, you know, they kind of transfer into <clears throat> because it's state-funded, just like the early intervention program. So they would, you know, state-funded therapy is now you go to um, preschool. Unless you have private therapy, which we, we also did in addition to the state-funded therapy. We also have private therapy of good insurance. Um, so I remember when John was three and our occupational therapist said, okay, now we're going to look at you know, you aging out, you're graduating from this early intervention program, now you can get a preschool. And I looked at her like, you're crazy. Um, <laughs> I'm not sending my child to school. Nobody can take care of them like we can. I mean, you know, we, I think you feel like that as a mom anyway with typical children, but especially with kids who have special needs, you're just like, I can't imagine them going anywhere. So we waited, and I, I was just, it wasn't the time. But then that, that year that John um, 
you know, that he could have gone to preschool, but we kept him at home. We chose to do private therapy. We just kept all of our early intervention therapists on um, and used private insurance. But I realized as that year went on that he really would benefit from school, that he was ready for it intellectually. You know, he kind of was, he was ready to learn, and, and I was he was wearing me out. And Joseph, too, and my mom would come over to the house, and we were like, we got to get these kids something to do. So um, it was just time they were ready. So by the time John um, was four years old, uh, we we decided that we would put him into the preschool, which really for us required a lot. It just was, it was a lot of prayer and thought and, you know, planning, but ultimately we felt like it was the right thing to do. So we put him into what's called Leaps and Bounds, which is the, um, it's the, only uh, preschool for kids with special needs, public or private, that's even available in our area. So we put him in that. We saw how great it was for him. We felt like Joseph was ready to. So about a month later, we we signed Joseph up, and they both went. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So how how has that been? What's the experience been like? Um, they loved it. They thought it was great. Um, I will say that it was unfortunately um, the. You know, there were a lot of positives, and there were some negatives, too. Um, the positives were that the teachers just were amazingly just cared about the kids. They came and did a home visit before John even went. You know, they, they listened to us, and anything that I said, you know, here's what we need. We chose not to put them on the bus and to take them to school. So when I was alone, one of the teachers or the paraphrase would come out and meet me. Um, you know, they just they did extra things that, to make sure that our boys were cared for him. I really I appreciated that. And they, just the love that they have for the kids um, was really evident. Uh, and it provided them with structure, which they really needed. Um, for us, you know, being at home, we keep a schedule, but it's, a, you know, it's loose. They get to play a lot. Sure. And, you know, we have snack from lunchtime. But, you know, as far as a real structure that they were craving with a potty training schedule and all that, it was great. Um, the negative thing for us was that it was, it's the oldest building, it's the oldest school building in our county. Um, so they, every, all the middle schools, the high school, the, all the other elementary schools have gotten new buildings and the old buildings, you know, from like the, I don't know, the 50s or something, maybe even older, had all been torn down or, re, or re, repurposed. Um, but this one building, which um, happens to be in the worst part of town. There's a lot of crime. There's a lot of drug activity right around there. All the housing projects are right around there. That's where this little special needs preschool was. Um, so that, you know, that was hard to take them. Um, and also the low, um, it, it just seemed to be kind of where they put all the programs that were on the back burner. It's, it's the way that it felt. Um, so we had to go down into the area of town every day, drop them off, pick them up. Um, and also, it just kind of felt like, I guess, because the school was an older school, um, it didn't feel clean a lot of the time. You know, it just kind of felt like it's hard to keep a school like that um, really up to par. If, you know, so that was hard for us, too. Sure, sure. So then what, what happened to John and Joseph? I know that they've been sick sometimes since they've been in school. Is that correct? Yeah, so the first um, the first semester they did great. That was a huge concern because, like I mentioned earlier, they, they have a lot of, um, you know, what their, it's, their immune system is just it's compromised. So when we go into a new situation where kids have germs and things, that you know, that was a really huge um, 
uh, issue for us. We knew that it was a risk taking them into school. And so we were constantly, you know, praying for them, making sure that talking to the teachers about keeping them clean and letting them know that they, you know, get sick easily. And the first semester they did great. Um, the second semester actually, um, things just really went downhill in January. Um, the boys, um, we, kids just started getting sick. We heard a lot of, there was, you know, oh, kids are out, or we had to send so-and-so home because he had a fever, and somebody threw up in the class, and um, they, John and Joseph both got um, human metanema virus, which is just a typical, it's a respiratory virus, which is kind of more on the severe end if you're looking, and it just kind of can put you out for like a week. It's kind of like the flu, um, but for them, it really put them into a critical state. They both had to be um, life-flighted down to the children's hospital uh, in Jacksonville, which is about an hour from where we live. Um, Joseph was went on a breathing tube. John, I think he got it about 24 hours after Joseph, so his wasn't as bad. Um, but just kind of to make a long story short, Joseph, um, he recovered really well from that. And uh, John, we after that, whole thing we sent back John back to school we just kind of thought okay well he's better it had been about two weeks um and we he was showing lots of improvement so we sent him back to school about a week later um may not have even been that long he went into respiratory distress we had to call the ambulance he was hospitalized for another week because he had contracted another um bug that was going around and uh wow. yeah and so John ended up with five different hospitalizations. Um, it, it just seemed to really compromise his immune system. Even after, I think it was after the third hospitalization, we kind of said, okay, let's not send him back to school. Um, and Joseph, we decided he, because of what he had already been through, let's not send him back to school either. Um, so we kept them out, and uh, John... Um, Ended up, without even going back to school, he ended up getting adenovirus, which is, is I mean, I'm, I've learned all these new names for viruses now. Um, <laughs> sure. but, yeah, so they, he got adenovirus. We don't even know where where he got that from because at that point, you know, after the third and fourth hospitalization, we were really keeping him, keeping him um, kind of putting a little bubble around him. We were even cautious if we took him to the grocery store, and that was like the, you know, the most high-risk place that we would go with him. Um, but then that put him, John, in the hospital. Um, he ended up in the hospital for a little over a month, and they wow. sent him to a rehab place um, to get better with lots of therapy. And they're both back to baseline, even beyond. They're doing amazing now. But that's kind of put us into a position where, um, you know, over the last, several months we've really been seriously talking about where are we going to send them to school because um you know we're we're, we're not we're not sending them back to public school so that's kind of where sure. we're at sure so have you been looking around at private school options so far yeah we have we're um we're actually planning a move to atlanta right now um, okay because there, yeah, we, there's really, there's nothing here. Our, we live in Brunswick, Georgia, St. Simons Island area. It's great. It's really nice. We, my husband and I, Jimmy, we both grew up here. Um, our family is here, but it's, there's really nothing here um, for our boys. So we we found a couple of private schools up in Atlanta that we love. They're actually schools 
four children with special needs, so we're really excited about that. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're kind of in the process of re researching that and visiting the schools and figuring out what to do, um, where to go. Sure. Can you tell me why you think um, one of those private schools will be a better option? Like, what, what draws you to them? Yeah, the... Um, the intentionality, I mean, obviously a private school is created because there's something lacking in the public school system. And if every need was being met by the public schools, I don't think there wouldn't be a need for private schools, which is the way I feel, look at it. Um, sure. And so, the, the, yeah, like I went and met with one of the private school, uh, the director, and, and just the smaller, there's, mm -hmm. you know, less kids coming in and out. They're only for kids special needs. These people um, don't make as much as they probably would in the public school system because it is smaller private schools, nonprofit. Um, but just seeing the love that they have for the kids and, and the intentionality, there just seems to be more freedom. Like if we needed to say, hey, uh, our boys, it's, it's cold and flu season, we really need to make sure our boys are protected. Um, they go, She said they're willing to go over and beyond to really do anything that they can to work with us to keep them safe. Um, and that and that's comforting to us because we know that they can. They're, they're not following state regulations. And I used to teach first grade in the public school system, so I know what those teachers are facing. I mean, there's so much pressure to produce certain results and follow certain standards. And there's just there's not that pressure in the private school Um there's another school that we visited. Um, they actually have one-on-one. -on -one. It's really, really expensive. Um, but they do a great evaluation program, and they follow every two weeks. It's updated with goals. And, I mean, it really seems like they're, they're focused on results where in the public schools we didn't really see. It just kind of seemed like um, – it seems like the goals and things, you know, it was kind of like checking off a box, but the expectation for amazing things. Like, we, we just believe our boys are amazing. We believe the sky's the limit, that they're going to do great things, that whatever their challenge, whatever challenge they're presented with, they're going to rise to the occasion and do it. That's what we consistently across sure. the board with both of them. And that expectation doesn't seem to be there, that hope and that excitement to, you know, really get these kids to, you know, do great things and achieve great things and be their best, um, you know, we, we it just kind of seems more like a place to go. And um, that that spirit and that culture and enthusiasm wasn't really present in the public schools like we have seen when we visit these private schools. So especially the one that's one-on-one, -on -one, that's really where we're feeling more led to go. Um, you know, being one-on-one, -on -one, they have their own little space and their own little room. We were asking about precautions to keep them. Um, we, mm -hmm. You know, we explained, we told them all about the hospitalizations and about the risk and their immune system. They said that they had kids there before, and um, one thing they did for one kid was put special filters on the air um, vent in their little, they call it a cubby, but it's like a small little room where all their stuff is. And, and I, I mean, that just blew me away because I went, whoa, like, that's, that's incredible. I mean, it just gave me such peace knowing that our children could go a place where they would actually be safe and um, and cared for in that way. And, and 
in addition to that, they have, you know, there's a, a suction machine that we use for John when he starts to get kind of junky and um, to suck, get all those secretions out. And he uses chest physical therapy with this stuff. Um, you know, they, they were like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, you will train us. We'll do that. And it just, that, we didn't get that kind of a feeling at school. It was like they, we have to jump through hoops. And I don't even know if the nurse could do that or, you know, or we're not going to do that sure. because it's violating something and so it's just that's a good that thing. Kind of question yeah 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 so, sure it does so hurtful just after visiting those schools like wow there is something out there for our kids um and so just really exciting to experience that and hopeful for our future and for them Sure, sure. So I know that you've looked into the um, special needs scholarship program in Georgia. Have you been able to use that yet? Where are you at on that? Yeah, uh, well, this, the are you, the SB10, I think is what they call it, and it's um, mm-hmm. it's great. It's for kids, you know, that want to go to private school who have special needs and the public school is not working out for them. We're currently in the process because the um, one of the stipulations is that you have to have attended one full year of public school in grades kindergarten or higher. Mm-hmm. And both of our boys only attended preschool. Um, but they, you know, we feel like they paid their dues in public school. So what's the difference in pre-K and kindergarten? And uh, so we're in the process. There is a medical waiver process. So we're kind of, we're starting that and figuring out what, where to go and what to do. But that would be, um, from what we understand, that would be about six, anywhere from six to nine thousand dollars. Okay, so would that would that make it possible? I mean, will you be able to do private school without the program, or is that just going to make it a lot easier? Obviously, that's a lot of money to be talking about. Yeah, the, these schools for kids with special needs—they're they're just really expensive. So that would—I mean, it's going to kind of be for us. It's going to be piecemealing scholarships and grants and fundraising together so that that would be a huge part of it if we don't if we if our boys don't get that you know that's just going to be that much more money that we have to raise or come up with and um you know for both of them to go to these private schools it's really um I feel like I'm kind of taking on a part-time job sure sure um to, you know researching things because it's a whole new world for me um I've I heard somebody the one that's one-on-one is much more expensive but you know we were talking about it with the admissions person that we met with and she said that there was a parent at her school that goes to that school now that said I never thought I would ask friends and family for money until I came to this school and I realized this is what our boys need this is what our kids you know need so I kind of feel the same way I thought I would never ask anybody for money but now we're you know looking at Crowdfund fundraising is an option, or you know, ask you know, having a fundraiser night where we invite all of our community, which we know a lot of people here. So, um, sure, I'm sure. just having to get creative with coming up with the funds for sure. Yeah, yeah, whatever it takes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you're planning on fundraisers and doing what you can to get the education funded. So what are the steps like for the um, the SB10 program? Like, what's the next step there? Yeah, so the next step is to, um, well, I'm kind of trying to figure out um, how to, one of the recommendations that we got from the admissions lady is to call the Board of Education here and figure out a way to get the school system to agree with us 
that it would be best, I guess, kind of like a medical exemption. Sure. So saying that our boys don't have to come to public school so that we can document somehow that they are, that we're homeschooling them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once we do that, then we can um, go back to the SD10 medical waiver, submit the medical waiver. And, uh, and we have to get, uh, I've asked doctors who I'm still waiting on, I may get really busy, but I've sent an email to two different doctors asking for their, um, to write a letter explaining why it would be best for John and why you know, really, it's life-threatening for them to go back to public school. I mean, putting them through the experience, it was just, it, I can't even explain it. It was, you know, like the ambulance comes, they're turning blue. Oh, I'm sure. That's terrifying. Emergency room. Yeah, it's, just, it's been it's such a crazy season. So getting, so we have to get doctors to document why it's life-threatening for them to go back to school and why they need a more protective environment, um, you know, preventative type stuff so okay that's where we're at right now we're working with the doctors and trying to get the medical exemption and working with the board of education them to say yeah that they sure yeah when you find out how all that falls out shoot us an email and let us know okay yeah i will for sure yeah um so is there anything else that you'd like to say just to kind of wrap up your story where you're going it sounds like you've really hopeful and excited for your voice future that's really exciting to hear yeah we are um yeah, I think it is exciting. It's exciting to know that there's that there are options out there, and um, I feel like um, yeah, there's a lot of hope, and we just we really believe that God, he, that He always provides for His people, and so we're we're just looking forward to seeing how that all comes to play, and looking back and go, we knew it was going to work out the whole time. <laughs> Cool, cool. Well, let us know how it works out, and thanks so much for talking with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Abby. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Ed Choice Chats.